playing the Radical Latino Show. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands in the air for New York's very own. Latino is taking you to another level. Popping, my people. Welcome back to another episode of the Radical Latino Show. It's your host, the Radical Latino. How are you guys doing? Oh my God, I've been out for a whole week. I want to make sure, um, from this episode, as you guys can read from the title of this episode, I wanted to make sure everything, you know, all the information came in. That's the reason why I've been out for a whole week. You feel what I'm saying? Because this was breaking news, you know what I'm saying? But that I'm talking about the Nipsey Hustle thing. You feel what I'm saying? But that's the main topic. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's focus on us right now. What's going on? How was y'all week? My week has been crazy. You know, just you know, just doing business, uh, doing little things here and there, talking to other people and all that. So my week has been insane, insane, insane. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm getting a lot of love from my YouTube. I'm also getting a lot of love from my podcast. Um, those two interviews with Burr Martinez and uh, Kim boosted my podcast numbers all the way up. I got a bunch of new listen- listeners, especially from Mexico, which is kind of funny. Got a bunch of new listeners from Mexico right now. You feel what I'm saying? Like I got... It went from, uh, I think, was it five listeners to now is 75 listeners. You know what I'm saying? From Mexico. So shout out to all the, my Mexican listeners. You know what I'm saying? But I'm still high number. I still got high numbers in, in the United States. So um, I saw all my, my numbers go up from like 50 something a download, 80 something a download uh, episode all the way up to 110 episodes so now i'm seeing my numbers go up so shout out to all the new listeners shout out to y'all remember go to the main topic of this or the main details of this podcast i have a voicemail number you guys can leave your voicemail and you know let me know what you guys think any ideas anything i'll answer it you feel what i'm saying but i gotta still figure out how to extract that from the you feel what I'm saying from the from the voicemail app. But anyway, how was y'all week? You know what I'm saying? Like my shit was all over the place. Like I said, with the new listeners, see my numbers go up. Also, um, I'm getting a lot of love on my Twitter. I got a new a uh, bunch of new subscribers and all that. So shout out to you guys. Um, now. Let's get into the first thing that I want to talk about. Some, you know, some little light. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to make this show like very heavy. You feel what I'm saying? So it's a little light. So the Joker trailer dropped this week. Oh, last week, <laughs> whatever. The Joker trailer dropped. The reason why I even want to even talk about the Joker trailer is because if you guys don't know, um, a lot of this trailer is actually being set in the Bronx. So. You know, shout out to these people, you know what I'm saying? They had, they shot in the Bronx, you know what I mean? A lot of these scenes are shot in the Bronx. And if you guys don't know, when um, 
the guy, the, the you know, the Bill Finger and Bob King, they were creating Gotham City. They kind of made it a picture of New York City, especially the Bronx at that time. You know, because it was a crime-ridden and all this other stuff. For those who don't know, Bill Finger and Bob Kane, they created Batman in the Bronx. If you guys don't know that, it was these these when they were like you know teenagers, they lived in the Bronx, and they created Batman in the Bronx. That's a little Bronx history for you guys. If you guys didn't know, it's actually a very small, small, small um, museum, extremely small museum at 180 no it's not 183 it's past Fordham it's in Kingsbridge actually it's in Kingsbridge and Grand Concourse there's a small park there right next to the underpass right next to the Grand Concourse right next to the underpass and there's a house in the middle and they randomly just have like little tours or whatever inside this house you're gonna see a just one table a very lonely little table with a bunch of exclusive signed Bob Kane uh, drawings of Batman and you know all the other characters of his Rose Gallery and uh, a lot of people don't know Batman was created in the Bronx you guys don't believe me you guys can look that up but that's a little Bronx history for y'all but um so you know it was shot in the Bronx and uh, when I'm looking at this trailer I was like wait a minute I don't know if people really know uh, know that this was shot in the Bronx like mostly all the other spots that they were you know showing it was, you know, places that I've been in. I was like, wait a minute, holy shit. So I was like kind of proud of that. I'm like, all right, shout out to the Bronx. But at the same time, I'm like, wait a minute, is this something bad? Because the Bronx still looks like it's the 80s, all dilapidated and ran down. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute, should I feel, should I really feel proud of this? You know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. Um, uh, you know, shout out to them. The trailer looks amazing. It looks like they're making a new take on the character. Um, they're making, they're taking a take on the character from the killing joke. Um, for those who don't know, the Joker character is like very mysterious and they made it that way because you don't really know his origin. You really don't know what he's about, what makes him go off or ticks him and all that. So in the killing joke, um, they asked him, like in the comic, they asked him, like, you know, what's your origin? You know, different characters. And he always gave different origin, origin stories. So and basically one of the quotes in that comic was like, if you're going to, you know, tell your story, I, I'm going to fuck it up. But he said, if you're going to tell your story, at least make it multiple choice. And if you guys ever saw The Dark Knight, you actually, you know, Heath Ledger, when he's uh, talking about how he got his scars, he always, he, he said different ways how he got his scars. You feel what I'm saying? So he really never told you one true way how he got his scars. So they adopted that part of it. You know what I'm saying? So I found that very interesting and that they are adopting a part of the Joker where um, you actually feel for him. You know what I mean? You actually feel for him. So it's a, it's a very... It's a very different take on the character. You feel what I'm saying? It's a very different, different take on the character. So it looks really good. Something I'm gonna definitely watch. Definitely, definitely watch. DC is doing that thing, you know. Um, something else I really want to talk about. This week there was this hashtag 
called white privilege. There's a hashtag about white privilege, right? And oops, I messed up the mic. There was a hashtag about white privilege and all that, right? And the thing is, um, to tell you the truth, I don't know the origin of this hashtag whatsoever. But once I saw this hashtag, my white privilege, you know what I'm saying? That's what the hashtag was, my white privilege. I, I actually, I actually put it, put it up on my Instagram uh, on things that I talked about and all that. So it was hashtag my white privilege, and then you know people would say whatever, whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? People would definitely was like, white people were really bold. Were like, hashtag my white privilege. You know, a cop um, pulled me over. I argued with him. I put my finger in his face, and he actually let me go with a warning. You know what I'm saying? So they were really bold about that. They were like, hashtag my white privilege. I stole from a supermarket and they caught me and I told them I'll pay for it later. And then they never pay for it. You know what I'm saying? So they were really bold. They were talking some real shit. So I'm like, God damn, they're really talking about my white privilege. So I decided to join and, I, and I, I'm gonna just read you guys some excerpts of what I said. So I said, my um, hashtag my white privilege is when you vote for a racist president and then get surprised that he's doing racist shit. You know what I'm saying? Another one is when you commit a mass shooting and you're called a lone wolf and not a terrorist. Hashtag my white privilege. Another one, hashtag my white privilege is when you're a Democrat or Republican and still get those minority benefits. For those who don't know, white people get a lot of minority benefits because they could just claim that they're 1.7th Native American Cherokee or whatever, or they're a, you know, they're a woman and they get a bunch of, you know, minority benefits. That's the, that's the hustle. Hashtag my white privilege is when you walk into any establishment and you get the job loan house or credit that you didn't work for. You know, that's another one. People will get people will coming at me because of that. Hashtag my white privilege is when you rewrite history and literally whitewash non-white contributors. You know what I'm saying? Hashtag my white privilege is when you is no, is when they tell you nothing you did before they enslaved you mattered and colonization is a good thing. Stealing your language and culture was a way to civilize you. Hashtag my white privilege. So I was really, you know, I was really going in on this white hashtag, my white privilege shit. You know what I'm saying? Like there were people talking about, like I was pulled over by a DUI doing 85 on the 55 and shit. And they were going to get, you know, 16 tickets and my breathalyzer and all that other stuff. And the dude just gave him a hundred dollar bill and they let him go away. Hashtag my white privilege, you know, shit like that. So I'm like, God damn. I'm like, hold up. Let me, let me talk my shit. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of people, um, were coming at me because of that, because of hashtag my white privilege. And I found that shit extremely, extremely hilarious, extremely hilarious because like I said, I don't know the origin of this hashtag. I don't know why it started but it was fun as shit. And the thing is you actually had a glimpse of white people knowing the privilege, not white supremacists, white 
people collectively, white people knowing their privilege and the privilege that they have in this country. They were not shy about it. They were not remorseful about it. They knew exactly what they have. To you, to us, they're the ones who play stupid. They're the ones who was like, what? Oh my God, I didn't know. You feel what I'm saying? Those are the ones, white people play stupid, extremely quick, even the non-racist ones. They know the privilege that they hold. They play stupid extremely quickly. Oh my God, I, th that really happened? My Lord, golly gee. You know what I'm saying? So they play stupid extremely quickly. And it's something that benefits them because in their circles, inner circles, they wink at each other like, ah, see, you know, we got them. You feel what I'm saying? So it was extremely interesting to me that this hashtag, that white people was actually a part of this hashtag and actually being extremely honest about it. And you gave me an insight and I'm like, huh? So when people talk about racist shit or racism, they're just pretending. They're just pretending that they don't know what we're talking about. They don't know why a police officer shot us. They don't know why a certain individual called the cops on us just by walking in their neighborhood or barbecuing or just leaving a bodega. You know what I'm saying? They don't know why they don't, they just can't put their head together, but yet they completely understand the privilege that they hold, but yet they completely are aware of the privilege that they have, but yet they are completely aware of how to practice that privilege to get things and to get benefits and to get out of stuff. You know how many cop stories I read from that hashtag, my white privilege tons. I read a tons of those Mike, I got away from a cop type of story tons and mind you this hashtag they're not talking about oh look at my wife they're bragging about it let's be completely honest they're bragging about it this is a brag to them this is a brag to them so what do you think that they say behind closed doors what do you think they say when they see a Trayvon Martin get shot by a disgusting Zimmerman and they acquit him what do you think they say behind closed doors? Oh no, like the evidence showed that he was was defending himself behind closed doors. Yeah, we showed this mother these motherfuckers. We absolutely showed them. We showed that the power we hold, we could basically get a green light to anybody to shoot anybody non or non-white. You feel what I'm saying? That's what they say behind closed doors. That's exactly what they say behind closed doors. This hashtag my white privilege shows that and proves that. Do not get it twisted, people. Do not get it twisted. This hashtag my white privilege was an extreme eye opener for everybody. And if you seen it and you thought it was just entertaining, then I'm sorry to say that you're asleep. You feel what I'm saying? You're asleep because there was nothing entertaining about it. It was extremely eye-opening and I was extremely interested. I'm like, huh? I started even asking questions. 
Oh yeah, how, how, why did you think you could even talk to a cop like that? Why can't I? You know what I'm saying? I was just asking questions because it was extremely interesting on the dynamic, on just the idea of the mentality that you just think that you could just do whatever you want. You know, the, 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 how, how, how you say it, just the cockiness that you just walk around and you all good. You feel what I'm saying? This is how these people think. This is how these people think. This is how these people move. And we shouldn't be asleep about it. We shouldn't just, just, you know, um, put it along as something like, ah, you know, it is what it is. What can we do about it? We can't be going around like that. Nah, we can't be going around like that because that's how we get caught up. And that's how we get, you know, uh, that's how we, we get, get caught slipping and all that. You know what I'm saying? That's how we get caught up, caught slipping. And that's how they fuck us over. And then one day we're just thinking like, oh no, it's all good and shit. And then moving into our neighborhoods and now our rent's going up. Then moving into our neighborhoods and then our, um, our rent from our businesses is going up. They move into our neighborhoods and then out of nowhere, now a highway is getting built across it. And now we have to, they're forcing us to move. You feel what I'm saying? We shouldn't, we shouldn't play around with white supremacy. This is white supremacy. My white privilege should have been called my white supremacist privilege. That's exactly how it should have been called because that's what it is. White privilege is another subset of white supremacy. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing more and nothing less. There's no difference whatsoever. White privilege is just another you know, option, another thing that you call white supremacy. That's all white supremacy is the umbrella and there's certain, and then there's uh, under that umbrella, there's a bunch of other little things that happen. You know what I'm saying? So that's all it is. That's all it is. This is white supremacy, white supremacy. The fact that you can literally talk to a cop, a cop, somebody that's supposed to uphold the law, a cop who has, who has some of these race soldiers out here who are not cops who are race soldiers they just put police uniforms on and go harm people based on race bet you 100 dollars these white people have encountered race soldiers and they just let them go they're drunk now you could go right ahead because they got the complexion for the protection that's white supremacy that's white supremacy that's white supremacy code I'm looking out for my other white brother. You know what I'm saying? And that's how we have to think. We have to stay on code. You feel what I'm saying? Because guess what? These white people ain't gonna um, look out for us. We gotta look out for ourselves. And we, we can't just be saying we're in a crab in a barrel mentality. You know what I'm saying? We gotta look out for ourselves and we gotta help each other. You feel what I'm saying? Because that that's something they do. That's something they do and they look at them. They're good. You know what I'm saying? Look at them. They're good. We, how we know that they're good because in every black and Latin community, let's call you it real. Every black and Latin community, the level of success is the level of whiteness. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100% real. The closer to white you get, the more good you are. Let's keep it real. That's how some of us are brought up. You know what I'm saying? That's how some of us are brought up. 
You know what I mean? We go into these corporate jobs. Out of nowhere, we just, you know, we want to start acting white. You know what I'm saying? E eating, uh, eating toast with, with, uh, avocado, avocado spread and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like we start acting white because that's what we think. That's how we've been colonized to think that white is right. You know what I'm saying? The closer to whiteness we get to the safer we are, the closer we get to their community, the closer we get to white people problems. You know what I'm saying? All I, all I want is a white picket fence and living in the suburbs with white people and have ants. I want to have white people problems. You know what I'm saying? To, for us, we thinking that's a level of success when it's completely wrong. You feel what I'm saying? We got to get away from that shit, especially my Latin people. We got to get away from that European mindset. Got to stop calling each other white or from amongst ourselves saying that we're white when we're not. White people know who's white and they see us when they don't see white. <laughs> so let's keep it real. You feel what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, um, I encourage you guys to go see that hashtag. I'm telling you, it's extremely interesting. Just, just look at all the ones that white people were putting up and it's jaw dropping. I'm telling you jaw dropping, interesting read too. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. I didn't know that shit. Oh wow. You did that. That's crazy. You feel what I'm saying? Now going to the main topic, to the main topic. Now the, now this episode is called having strong enemies is a blessing. That's from Nip Nipsey Hussle's tweet. That was the last tweet he actually wrote on Twitter. Last week, Nipsey Hussle died at the age of 33. He was shot in front of his clothing store in LA, California. And the thing is that when the news broke, all we knew is that him and a, a few other people got shot up and they're looking for the killer. That's it, right? We didn't know that much information to be completely honest with you guys. I wasn't a Nipsey hustle music fan. I was a fan of his contributions to his neighborhood all his other contributions that he was doing outside of music. I was a fan of that because that's what I knew about him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lie. I never heard a song from Nipsey Hussle whatsoever. Never, ever, ever. And I didn't care to know because I was like, ah, I'll get to it when I get to it. You know what I'm saying? I'll get to it when I get to it. But I was a fan of his contributions. You know, the fact that he was telling people to buy their neighborhood up. That's what I was a fan of. So I was following him on that. And on top of that, he was making a Dr. Sebi documentary. So I'm like, oh shit. So that's what I, that's what I was following. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't a fan of his music. After he got shot, I was like, yo, let me, let me actually buy his, his victory lap. That was his debut album, by the way, victory lap. His first debut album. Let me buy Victory. He had a couple of mixtapes. One of the mixtapes he had was um, that he sold for a hundred dollars a piece. 
the physical one you could got it you could get it for free but for the physical one you had to pay a hundred a hundred dollars jay-z bought a hundred copies so he got a hundred thousand and then he sold 10 more and all that you know what i'm saying so he made some whopping he invested it so i'm like all right let me listen to to this album hey i'm gonna tell you i'm mad i am extremely furious that i became a fan of nipsey hustle now i wasn't a fan of him when he was alive i'm mad that i became a fan of him now because his music is the shit. and the thing is when i like to listen to albums i like to listen to albums driving and going to the gym and i was bumping his shit back to back to back to back there's probably two songs two or three songs that i'm not really feeling from that album but everything else is classic and i'm not just saying this because he's dead i'm really saying this because i'm a hip-hop head i'm a hip-hop fan and i'm telling you right now that body of work that body of of uh songs all through that whole album classic this feels like an album that you uh, artist put uh, puts out 10 years in the game this doesn't feel like an album you put out your first go around you feel what i'm saying when jay-z put out his album it was his first album and he was talking about the same old shit then you know what i'm saying reasonable doubt his first album reasonable doubt now his grown man album 444 you could hear the maturity in it nipsey hustle victory lap that album that's his 444 i'm like holy shit this is some tough shit one of my top songs is Blue Lace 2. The shit is hard. And then it just goes down from there. Not as a bad way, but I'm saying it goes down from like all my favorite songs. But I was like, oh shit. So the facts of the case is this. I was hearing mixed reports, right? I was hearing that the guy was a snitch he's actually a known informant meaning that he gets paid by law enforcement to snitch on other people to get incarcerated right so he's a snitch nipsey knew this and he told him get out of here apparently he didn't like it came back with a gun then i'm hearing that he was actually a rapper and he met Nipsey and Nipsey was like, all right, you, you rap, but you know, I, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna hear nothing right now and all this other stuff. And he came back and shot him, which doesn't make any sense. All right. Now I'm hearing that he was, you know, inspiring rapper, also a snitch. And Nipsey didn't want him around. And he was like, listen, bring a paper, bring back paperwork that you didn't snitch. And you know, I, I'll hook you up and all this other shit. Came back and, and shot, right? So these are the facts of the case. The guy who shot him is called Eric Holder, not the politician, <laughs> not the politician, the, the, the dude, Eric Holder, right? It was Eric Holder, 
a guy named Eric Holder who shot him, right? Nipsey's outside in front of his marathon store with one of his friends that got out of jail for doing, I think, was it 20 years, I believe. One of his friends that was um, that was doing that just did 20 years came home, and he was giving him clothes, so so he could go back to his family, you know, so he could be fresh, you know, look him out. Eric Holder came from the alley where a female was waiting for him in the car, parked, got out, had some words, shot, you know, a few people got hit. There's video evidence about this, by the way. Ran, then came back, shot again. Ran and came back, shot him in the head, and then kicked him, and then left in the car, and then the car goes away, right? Escapes, nobody no, uh, nobody follows, nobody stops him, that's it. It's, it, it's done, right? Those are the facts of the case. That's it. Those are the facts, right? Now, there's some questions that I have. But before that, then two days later, Eric Holder gets arrested because he's checking himself into a mental facility. They arrest him. You know, there's there's no there's there's no nothing crazy. They don't surround the building, nothing. They just arrest him. He goes into a cop car, and then the next thing you find out, the lawyer he has, remember, this guy's a gang member, all right? This dude's a snitch. He's just catching bodies left and right, all right? The next thing you find out, the lawyer that's defending him was OJ's prosecuting lawyer, the one that was trying to send him to jail. I forgot his name right now, but is OJ's old prosecutor lawyer. This motherfucker is supposed to be a high person, high, high, uh, high risk, high risk, uh, you know, attorney. You, you gotta have long paper to even retain him, let alone just have him represent you and go to trial, right? You find this out that he has this lawyer. Then you find out that he's pleading non-guilty, and then you find out that he gets a $5 million bail. Wow. So those are the facts of the case, all right? Those are the facts of the case. I'm not trying to get all fucking conspiratorial. I'm not trying to put my tinfoil sombrero on or anything, but some of this shit does not add up, okay? Some of the shit does not add up. Up. I have questions to be completely honest. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions like first of all Why isn't the getaway driver arrested by the way the getaway driver is not arrested because apparently she didn't know what was happening Uh, Gunshots are loud as shit How do you not know what's going on last time I checked people get arrested for just letting someone borrow a car you feel what i'm saying people get arrested for just even borrowing a car that had nothing to do with them whatsoever the car gets into a crime the people inside the car gets into a crime you you let these people borrow it you associated with this crime you're going to jail too she's not arrested 
That's crazy. You feel what I'm I got arrested by just saying hi to somebody in front of the bodega. I said, what up to him? Like, what's up? We didn't even like give each other dap. I just said, what up with my head? Like, yo, what up? What's popping, baby? Went inside, got uh, got the milk for my mom coming out. Everybody get arrested. They're telling me to um, go down on the floor. You know what I'm saying? You got anything sharp in your pockets that can stick me? You feel what I'm saying? So that right there is crazy, right? The other thing that's crazy that the only footage that we got was from TMZ and the footage was a grainy, grainy cast station footage of what happened, what Eric Holder did and all that. There's multiple cameras in that area, multiple cameras. Nipsey has multiple cameras in his store and only one piece of the, the video um, surveillance is released. That's something else that doesn't add up. Okay. So we so by this point we supposed to already be going with you know with the logic with this with this whole narrative. All right, nothing that doesn't add up. He disappeared. The the killer Eric Holder disappeared for two days. Nobody found him. Nobody was finding him. The streets already knew who it was. The streets were already looking for him to the point where they actually were shooting his family members for him to come out. You feel what I'm saying? His family members were getting shot for him to come out. He just disappeared for two days. You feel what I'm saying? Now, at this point, let, let's put everything together. All right, you've got a gang member, right? That he's not supposed to be that smart. Let's be completely honest. The the logic of gang members is you're not supposed to be that smart. He does a brazing shooting, a killing, an execution in broad daylight, but yet, he could pay for lawyers. He got money for that, for really expensive lawyers, high profile lawyers. He escapes, you know, and escapes for two days. You know what I'm saying? So these are the things. All right. So we're still going with the logic. All right. So for two days, nobody could find him. His family members are dropping like flies, right? Then after two days, they end up finding him because he was checking himself inside a mental institution. Okay a mental institution. Now, what gang member do you know commits crimes left and right and then tries to check himself into a mental hospital? Let's keep it real, people. This shit's not adding up. Let's keep it real. You know what I'm saying? Then he gets bail. He gets bail. Five million. He gets bail? Okay. And then we find out is OJ's prosecutor lawyer that's defending him. You feel what I'm saying? Now all this shit doesn't add up. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think his lawyer is Chris Darnin, Darnin, uh, Darnin. But um, yeah, that's OJ's old prosecutor lawyer. So these are the questions I got. On top of that, how did he get away from that strip so fast without nobody chasing him down, without nobody knowing where he went, and all this other stuff? Because. I don't know LA like that. I've been there a couple of times, but I don't know that area. But for what some of my LA um, people told me, it's like Fordham Road. For those in the Bronx, um, we all know Fordham Road. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy busy, especially on a Sunday afternoon. Crazy traffic. You can't go all the way to Pelham Parkway, from Pelham Parkway all the way to University, or not even all the way to the Heights through Fordham Road without hitting traffic. 
You mean to tell me like a Fordham Road type of atmosphere, you're gonna commit a murder and then just go to the heights? And you just did that in a couple of minutes? Nah, that shit doesn't make sense. So he escaped, you know, in a nick of time, like super crazy, record time, you know what I'm saying? So some of the other stuff, that doesn't make sense. You feel what I'm saying? And now, reports are coming out saying that the the man, the guy that uh tried that the that Nipsey went to uh, you know help out because he was helping out him with clothes and all that, he got arrested. He got arrested because he violated his parole. Mind you, he's a victim. The the man that got shot, the man that's the reason why Nipsey hustled went to his marathon store to help out to buy him clothes to give him clothes the victim went goes to jail because he violated parole because he was associating with a known gang member who is nipsey hustle okay this is what the cops are saying this is what the cops are saying and then in his parole hearing they tell him that they can't do nothing about it this is from a higher ups you know what i'm saying that other thing doesn't make sense. And you guys really think um, Nipsey was supposed to be meeting up with the with the police the next day and talk about gang violence, but yet they associated him with a, being a gang member right now. So which one is it, people? You know, some of this shit doesn't add up. You feel what I'm saying? Some of this shit does not add up. And I got a lot of questions. I'm not like, again, I'm not trying to put my, you know, tinfoil hat, tinfoil sombrero and all that, but I, I got a couple of questions. You feel what I'm saying? And during his memorial ceremony, you know, they're, 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 they're bringing, you know, Nipsey around, you know, the hood and all that, you know, police escorting all that. And there's a video of LAPD just bad mouthing Nipsey just totally disrespecting them totally disrespecting them you know what i'm saying totally disrespecting them that was crazy and then you got laura um ingram out here making fun of nipsey hustle because he died you feel what i'm saying just making fun of him and shit like that like are you fucking kidding me are you serious that shit just irked me and guess what talking about Nipsey's a gang member, but Laura Ingram, she's a little, you know, klepto. She's a little thief. Yeah, Tariq Nasheed exposed her, but yeah, she's a little klepto. But the thing is, going back to Nipsey, the thing is that um, LAPD, you know, they were going after him. There's multiple videos of police raiding his, his marathon store or before it was the marathon store or whatever. Just trying to find any little thing because remember, black people, they're not supposed to be, you know, high high up in the status quo. You know, you're not supposed to help out your community. That's a dangerous thing. You know what I'm saying? So there's multiple videos of the cops harassing him. And in his memorial service, you hear his brother talk about that the landlord was getting pressure from the city to hike the rent up, to kick everybody out because they're gentrifying the place and the the landlord you know was really cool with nipsey and he actually told him everything and nipsey ended up buying the whole lot from the landlord and he was thinking about making a building and all that you know what i'm saying 
So these these raise a lot of questions on why he died. This is not just a random shooting. You know what I'm saying? This is not just something random. This is not just a gang affiliated thing. There's there's questions. We gotta ask questions. What the fuck is going on? You feel what I'm saying? What the fuck is going on? But yeah, like these, you know, we we gotta we gotta just stop letting these people tell us what is happening and actually think for ourselves. You know what I'm saying? But um, that basically just goes to my main point. You know, um, what he tweeted out, which everybody thought it was because of the Eric Holder thing, but in reality it wasn't. It was uh about you know. Uh, a OG that just got out from jail and all that and they you know they met up because they're from different sets but they chopped it up and everything was cool and that's what the tweet re really represented everybody's saying oh shit you know because of the cop no no it's not no no conspiracy no conspiracy I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put too much heat on it you know what I'm saying it was just what it was but um yeah these are the things we gotta we really gotta we really gotta question and I hate the narrative about them going to, well, see, this is what happens when black people try to help other black people. Let's stop that narrative. Let's stop that bullshit. Because every other group out here that um, denies when one of their people from their group does something crazy, all right? Every other group denies it. You feel what I'm saying? The white group denies it every time. The white uh, white people they go like no he he wasn't part of it he's a lone wolf he's crazy you feel what I'm saying nah that white person wasn't part of us nah he that's that's something else he got mental issues you feel what I'm saying so when somebody black does something oh like yeah I'm supposed to be part of that that's what Donald Trump is talking about Latin people when he talks about Mexicans he's not just talking about Mexicans Mexicans first of all. To white people, all Latin people are Mexicans. Let's keep it real, all right? Mexicans is another cold word for all Latin people. We're all in one. We're all this together. So it, they, he doesn't know no difference between Honduran, Peruvian, Brazilian, you know, uh, Ecuadorian, Dominican, Puerto Rico. He he when he went to Puerto Rico, he thought that he went to another part of Mexico. You feel what I'm saying? So he doesn't know nothing about none of this bullshit. So that's what exactly. So when he calls... Latin people, lazy, rapists, murderers. He's talking all Latin, not just Mexicans, all Latin people as that. All right? That, that's exactly what it is. So, I was hearing that narrative. I was hearing that narrative. Oh, see, black people can't have nothing good. You see, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. We got to stop that bullshit. We got to stop that bullshit. And we got to check people who say that. Because that guy does not represent the black community. He's a lone wolf. That guy does not represent what Nipsey was doing to help out his community. That's a lone wolf. You feel what I'm saying? And we have to start my black and Latin people. So the, I'm, I'm talking to, I'm talking to us right now. We have to start eliminating cancers from our community. If we know and we interact with people who are still in that negative mindset, who know that they got to do better, but don't do anything to achieve who keeps on hating and hating and hating and hating besides just cutting them off besides doing all of that. You, we gotta start, um, we gotta start practicing tough love. You feel what I'm saying? We gotta start practicing tough love. 
and start like excommunicating them with everything or you know like you know fucking up the, the way they do things you know do something you know what i'm saying because white people do that shit you know what i'm saying every every wealthy white person every wealthy white person or middle class white person who who got their shit together always have that one cousin or that one brother that's fucked up high on meth fucking their cousins and all this other shit you will never know it because guess what they will have seven degrees of separation and guess what those white people still help out other white people you know what i'm saying but they don't go around where that fucked up person is and i'm not saying that we shouldn't go around what that fucked up person is what we gotta say is eliminating cancers from our community as a code as a collective we we pinpoint that person we excommunicado you feel me excommunicado that's it it's done it's over that's it you're not associated because you're not about empowerment you feel what i'm saying that's how we gotta handle things that's how we gotta do things that's how we gotta move and maneuver because guess what it's a dirty game out here and nobody's gonna really help us out you feel what i'm saying nobody's really gonna help us out you feel what i'm saying but listen i enjoyed talking to y'all um i hope i hope you guys enjoy this episode remember hit me up on instagram and twitter at the same name radical underscore latino underscore and i'm gonna catch you guys later Peace.